0: Good morning, good morning. Uh, man, it's so good to see you this morning, be able to worship together. Um, we're continuing this morning in a this kind of DNA-type series for us as a church. You've been here the last couple of weeks, you're not caught off guard by that. Uh, kind of re-looking it, kind of representing presenting to our church family the things that, uh, that, that are the foundation of everything we do here. That guide our decision making, they guide our our, our processes of growth and things here. And so um, we're calling this thing First Things First. So, the first week, January 8th, we looked at our mission. Like, what is the mission of of Lindsay Lane East, and and how are we going to, what are we asking God to do in our midst? And what we talked about uh, that week was that our mission is together for the glory of God and the good of man. And that's what it looks like. And so the, the week two, then we started looking at the strategy that aligns us. Uh, we talked about that for us to accomplish this mission as a church together, it's going to take everybody doing their part, not just a few people, but all of us together doing our part. And we described those three pieces, the three pieces of the puzzle, as gather, group, and move. And so that's what, that's what it looks like for us to do our part, to gather, to group, And to move. And if you missed either one of those, you can check them out on Facebook, YouTube, or any podcasting app. But this week, we want to talk about the pathway that grows us. So in your Bibles, turn to 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3, near the end of the book, near the end of the Bible. Only four books behind it. Flipping there, turning. We're going to look at the last two verses of the whole of the book of Second of Peter. These are the last things Peter writes to this audience, so probably worth taking note of. Uh, so I'm going to read 17 and 18. Pages have somewhat top, stopped flipping, so I'm going to read 17 and 18, then I'm going to pray, and we'll come back and start working through this, okay? The word of the Lord says this, Therefore, dear friends, since you know this in advance, be on your guard so that you are not led away by the error of lawless people and fall from your own stable position. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for its truth. God, open our hearts and our eyes to see your truth today and be changed by it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So this letter is written by one of Jesus' closest disciples. If you look through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that kick off the New Testament, what you're going to quickly find is that Jesus calls a large group of people to follow him, but there were 12 in particular that he called to follow him. And then there was one that really among those 12, Jesus begins to give extra responsibility to. He seems to kind of allow allow Peter to rise to the top and become kind of a leader. Peter's there for all of the big moments in Jesus' ministry, all the things. Peter's right there with him. And so Peter, Peter, this follower of Jesus, is writing this letter to a group of people we don't necessarily know who he's writing to, um, but we know he's writing to believers in the first century. Um, and though he's writing with a particular church in mind, no doubt, I think his letter is applicable to us today because we know that in the first century, they started circulating it among a bunch of churches because what they saw in this letter was beauty and it was truth. And so what, we're, what, we're, what I just read, uh, verses 17 and 18, are the concluding statements of his letter. It's his way of wrapping everything else up that he has said to this point. Okay? And so he begins here with a very familiar word. And if you're not new to Lindsay Lane East, you know that we can't just skip over this word. The first word he says is what? Therefore. And then man, like if, if you're new to Bible reading or even if you're not, when you see the word therefore, I pump the brakes. Just pump them. Okay? Because as you read through the New Testament letters, when I say letters, I'm talking about Romans through the end of the, book, of the New Testament. They use the word therefore a lot. And it's a signal word. If you could add red flashing lights to your Bible, this would be a red flashing light. Therefore, 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 therefore. Because what what Peter, when they use this word, what they're doing is they're connecting what I'm about to say to something that's already been said. And you can catch this, as I read earlier. Therefore, dear friends, since you know this in advance. Huh? I don't, Peter. Start all over, right? Right? I don't know this in advance. So we've got to be careful when we're reading the Bible, make sure that we understand the context. And so what Peter's been discussing up until this point, kind of in chapter 3, is that he believed the end of the world as we know it to be very soon in Peter's lifetime. Uh, that Christ would return to the earth and bring judgment to the wicked and finally and fully gift to those of who were who following Jesus, finally and fully gift to them Their eternal reward of a new creation in God's presence forevermore. But in light of that end coming, Peter says in verse 16, if you go up just one verse, Peter's been talking about this end that's coming, that Jesus is returning. But he also says that there will be false teachers that will rise up to with the task of confusing the church. Verse 16, Uh, he's actually talking about Paul right here. But he says, Paul speaks about these things in all of his letters. There's some things hard to understand in them. And God's people said, amen. And then he says the untaught and unstable will twist them to their own destruction as they also do with the rest of the scriptures. You see, this end is near. False teachers, confusion is coming. All of that is certainly what Peter had in mind when he kicks off verse 17. Because you know this in advance, therefore, listen to what I'm saying. When, when Peter paints that picture, end is near, false teachers are coming, confusion is going gonna, is gonna to try to draw you in. Therefore, listen to what I'm about to say. Peter's creating an urgency in the hearts of those that he's writing to. And so today I want to show you just three things that Peter is saying from the text today um, about knowledge of God. Everything he seems to be kind of wrapping up the letter on seems to have to do with knowledge of God. So here's number one. There is an attack on our knowledge of God. There's an attack on our knowledge of God. Now, it doesn't take much reading through the the letters of the New Testament, Romans through the end, to see all the authors warning about false teachers, about people leading believers astray through false teaching, twisting the scriptures. And what did Peter say in verse 17? He said, be on guard, right? Now, uh, first service agreed with me, and I want to pose this question to you guys. I need you to help me figure this out. What is the connection between childhood and sword fighting? Do You know what I mean by that? Because I got a seven-year-old boy, and whatever he has in his hand, if I'm holding the same item, what is, like, it's an immediate sword fight. If he has a pencil, I have a pencil. He sees it and he goes, hey, Dad, right? Uh, if you we're holding fries, like I'm eating a fry, he's got a fry, huh? Ah. And, like, and like everything. But I can remember that as a kid too. Like that—that's what we do. It's it, for whatever reason. It's—it's—it's it's, it's in our heads, especially as, as these little boys. And so, but—but but what? I don't know if y'all did this, but I did this, and my son does this. There's two words you say to declare, right, that there is a sword fight here and now. What are the two words? On guard, right? And I'm sure that comes from somewhere. But uh, I didn't look that up. Uh, But this is a declaration, right? When my son says on guard, it's his way of saying, you ready, dad? There's fixing to be lead flying everywhere. There's fixing to be a French fry hitting you in the face like this. This is fixing to happen. Now, listen, that's very much the mentality of what Peter is saying. When he says be on guard, he's helping you understand. Listen, there is an attack coming. Stand ready. Be on your guard. Like he's telling them that. But the difference is when my son says on guard, I'm looking in the eyes of the person who's about to attack me. When Peter says be on guard, who are we looking at? Like that's the question mark in what Peter says. Peter says be on guard for these lawless people. But we don't know who they are. All we get is lawless people. Peter is referring to those who do not know Jesus, who are not being led by his spirit, who are not informed by his word. There are people in our world who are intentionally seeking to sow discord among the church and cause doubt in the hearts and minds of God's people. That's a reality. So, how do we get on our guard? How do we get ready to protect ourselves from false teachers? When we don't know who they are until we hear them. I don't know if you know this or not. False teachers don't go around with a label on their forehead. The only way that we can determine that they are false teachers is by what they say. And so the question that comes down to is how do we recognize them? How are we supposed to be ready? I think it's similar to how how we coach, uh, how I coach. I don't know how y'all do it. But how I coach uh, Little League basketball, Booster Club. So um, I'm helping coach. I'm not the head coach. Um, I'm the guy that just sits on the bench. Uh, But I helped coach a 6U boys and 8U girls basketball team, helping Elsie Joe and Dan's team this year. And we prepare for basketball games very different than the way I did in high school. Okay, Some of y'all don't. Some of you are Booster Club coaches, and maybe you prepare exactly the way a high school coach does. But here's how my high school coach prepared us for a game. He would watch film of the opposing team. And he would watch to see who their best players were. He would watch to find out um, what offenses would work best against them, which defenses would work, would give them the most trouble. He saw all the holes that we needed to exploit so that we could come out on top in the game. Now, that's not how I do booster club basketball because I ain't got time for that, okay? Maybe some of you do. We don't have film to watch. We don't have a tailor-made strategy going into each game. All we do, we have snacks. Um, We... (laughs) All we do is we take the two practices we have every week and we simply try to help our team prepare by teaching them basic basketball fundamentals. We work each practice on dribbling, passing, catching, shooting, moving without the ball, setting screens, defensive positions, on-ball defense, off-ball defense. All we're trying to do is build the knowledge of basketball into our guys and girls so that whatever team and whatever color their jersey Steps on the court against us every Saturday that we're prepared to play. That's all I can do. I ain't watching film. Now, this seems to be, I think, a more accurate picture of what Peter is saying when he says be on guard. Because we don't know necessarily who the false teachers are in the world until we hear their voice. So the best way to protect ourselves from false teaching in the world is not from learning what they are teaching, but from learning what the truth is so that we'll see it when it comes. Know the Word of God. Study, learn, and grow. This is what it means to be on guard, as Peter said. We prepare by growing in our knowledge of God's Word. But I've talked about this before, and there's more than one kind of false teacher in the world, okay? Um, it's more. There's more false teachers than just those who are seeking to destroy you and to destroy your faith. Peter, in the verse 16, I've already read it once, but uh, he says that there are unstable are untaught and unstable people who will twist the words of Scripture to their own destruction. Do you see this? You see, these are not lawless people who are twisting Scriptures intentionally here. They are probably believers who are not being careful with interpreting the Bible. They're untaught and unstable, Peter says. I'll put it in my own words. They're quite literally ignorant and weak. They're low in knowledge and they're low in experience. Peter's just said that Paul's letters are hard to understand. And if people are not careful, we'll make up some crazy things that we think the text is saying when it is most certainly not saying that. Listen, I know, I know that as a believer in Christ, you have the Spirit of God in you. And you have the Word of God before you. And at the end of the day, that's all it takes for you to know God. However, even with the Spirit of God in you and the Word of God before you, you can make some wrong conclusions about God's Word. I've seen it in my own heart. I've seen it in the hearts of other people. This is why the local church and here at East are small groups are so important. Because if I have a crazy idea about what God's Word says and I show up to small group this Wednesday night and I unload it, our small group leaders should lovingly bring correction to that and allow the group around them to do the same. You see, that's what's beautiful about studying God's Word together. If you're by yourself and the only time you study God's Word is in your prayer closet or in your home or on your couch or in your car or whatever, like don't do it in your car, you need to drive and focus on the road. But if the only time that you're studying the Word of God is by yourself, then listen to me, church, you are prone. You are, you're setting yourself up to allow yourself to, to twist Scriptures. Because the cool thing is when we start studying the Bible to ourselves, the, Word, the Spirit of God is not just speaking in my own heart. He's speaking in the hearts of the people around the room. And that together, as we sharpen one another, we actually come to a better understanding of what God's Word says together. This is why, again, why our groups are so important. The church family and a group of Bible study uh, believers is, is a gift from God that helps guard against false teaching. Uh, Each of us empowered by the Holy Spirit of God together discussing the Bible, that's a beautiful thing. So we can help one another to rightly understand God's word. So Peter is saying, be on your guard, because there's an attack on our knowledge of God coming from the lawless and also the unstable and the untaught. And so the best way that we can guard against that is to know God, to dive deep. So there's more that he says about our knowledge of God that I think, it stuck out to me, and I tried to put it in a way, um, so it's going to sound sketchy, okay? Uh, so when you, when it pops up here in a second, it's going to sound sketchy, um, but just give me a minute, okay? Let me explain it first before you get up and walk out, okay? Here we go. Point number two is this. There is no stability in our knowledge of God. Again, hang on. All right, verse 17 says this. Therefore, dear friends, since you know this in advance, be on guard so that you are not led away by the error of lawless people and fall from your own stable position. Now, for whatever reason, read it over and over again, probably preached these passages, this verse, these verses before. This week as I was studying, this image struck me so strange. And if you missed it, I want to look at it backwards, okay? Okay. I want to focus on the end because he says, be on guard so that you're not led astray by these lawless people and that you don't fall from where? Your own what? Stable position. Now, that contradicts some common sense. I don't have the greatest amount of common sense in the world. I like to think I have A lot of common sense, but some of you are a lot more street smart than me, okay? But it's up here. It's in there. This seems to contradict, right? Because I don't fall from a stable position, right? When I'm stable, I'm not going to fall. So this, is, this is, seems to contradict, I thought we would want to be in a stable position, but here Paul, Peter says you can fall from even a stable position. It seems like in our own lives, if, if, if we were just to, to ask the question and talk about it, in our own hearts and minds, there's some level of knowledge that's in our, that, that like, if I could just get there, then all false teaching, all whatever, false teachers, nobody would ever lead me astray. Sin's not going to lead me astray. If I can just get here. In our minds, that's the truth. That's what we believe. There's some level of confidence. Now we're safe from falling. If I can just get there, boom, whoo, yes, we've arrived. Sadly, this is exactly how the life cycle of a believer looks. Someone comes to realize the gospel and to be saved. They, are, they don't know anything about the Bible, or at least are ignorant at some level of the Bible, so they want to know more, right? So what do they do? They begin to study. They begin to learn from other people, They grow tremendously. Just imagine, right? They're growing. They're learning. But what naturally happens, never met a believer that it didn't happen, is that it begins to do this. It doesn't happen right away, but it slowly creeps. Our growing and our learning slowly begins to plateau. We get content in our knowledge of God and His Word because we get Stable. We get to a place where we feel comfortable. We stop studying. We stop attending. We stop learning. But the knowledge of God is still there. So are we stable? Peter would say, yes, you're stable, but you're not safe from attacks. Peter would say that there is no safe zone that we can reach and quit and be safe from being led astray. And again, I know that contradicts what we believe and like what like what's in our minds. But this is in the Bible. So he's right and you're wrong. So the question we have to ask is, okay, Heath, so we're never safe. That's exciting. That's perfect. How do we how can we ever be at a safe place? But the good thing is Peter doesn't stop there. Verse 18. He says, after saying that some may fall from their stable position, he says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. You see. There is no stable level of knowledge that we can reach, and if we can just get there, we'll be safe. Instead, Peter says the best way to protect ourselves from being led astray is by growing. Is by growing. One of my favorite computer games growing up as a kid was Roller Coaster Tycoon. Anybody have Roller Coaster Tycoon on your computer as a kid? Some of you, absolutely awesome. Thank you. Uh, don't feel alone. Um, I'm among my people. All right. This was a game where you got to build your own theme park. Like, what? Like, how awesome is that? You could design it however you wanted. Uh, you had to maintain cash flow. You had to set prices, strategically choose which rides, attractions, food, drinks, all that stuff. You had to build it just right. Really nerdy stuff, okay? I, I admit that. I'm man enough to admit I like nerdy games, Okay. And last year I saw they had re-released Roller Coaster Tycoon on the Switch, um, which we have at our house. And so I bought it, and I used the kids' money. Um, <laughs> made me feel better. No, um, and just, this is a little bit of a humble brag, but I beat the whole game and the expansion packs. Like, whatever. Um, but <laughs> I'm good. That's what I'm saying, Jeff. I'm good. Um, yeah, yeah. All right, here we go. But one of the most fun things to do when you're playing roller coaster and is, and I don't do much because it takes so much time, is to build your own roller coaster. There's some pre-made ones that you can use, and you can, and they're really cool because they're all safe and everything. But, um, but you can you can try your hand at designing one, and and you can, it, it, but built into the designing of the roller coaster, so I'm gonna go nerdy for just a moment. Hang with me. Are certain safety algorithms okay? Because the first roller coaster you could just build, like, a ramp for a roller coaster, and then drop it off at, like, a straight-down turn, and, like, they would just launch off into space, land on the grass, crash, and they would say, you killed 45 people. Um, I don't know. I guess that was, like, uh, damaging to some of us um, as kids that were growing up, and so they stopped that. They started building into these uh, so you didn't kill anybody anymore. Um, But... One of the limitations that was built into it, again, was if your coaster is going up, by Roller Coaster Tycoon 3 anyway, you couldn't have the coaster immediately start a drop. Okay, It was going up because if you immediately start a drop, you're going to launch people. These physics were built into it. And so what you first had to do was level off, right? Then you could drop that sucker poof, straight down at an eight, whatever you wanted to do. But you first, listen to me, had to level off. This is one of the most nerdy analogies I've ever used. However, I think it's beautiful. It's exactly what I think we're trying to get across here. This is what Peter's saying. There is no knowledge level. If we can just reach this, we'll be in a safe zone. Instead, he's, Paul, Peter says we are at our safest level when when we are consistently growing in our walk. When we're consistently on the incline. Because the only way that we can decline is, is to first level off. It's when the growing plateaus and we let off the gas that we begin to face the temptations that are going to drag us away. Now, here's what I want you to know. Um, this is why we this is why we developed what we call a discipleship pathway here. It's why we put this before of our before our people, and why we why, I'm, why I wanted to talk about it now because we real what we realize is that every one of us here at East is at some level of maturity between. All I know is Jesus died for me, and that's it. That's all I got right now, okay? And then some of you, you've been walking with Jesus for, like, longer than I'm probably going to live because sun drops are good. Like, you're right below Jesus in a lot of ways. And we've got everybody in between. And we worship together. And we go to small groups together. And that's one of the most beautiful things about this church Everyone along, the, folks all along the spectrum, worshiping together every single week. It's what makes it fun to be your pastor. But the call that I, as your pastor, extend to you is what I simply believe the Bible has laid out for us, which is to, to some degree assess your own spiritual maturity level and then start growing from there consistently. Right. So we've tried here at East to put a simple pathway in front of you as a guide to help you recognize where you are. And provide movement forward as you grow. We label that pathway foundation, life, and leadership. Jesus and Paul both point out the need for a strong foundation on which to build. If you expect to build a house, and I feel like 75% of the population has built a house since COVID. Is that, I don't know. I feel like that's the case. I feel like everyone I know has built a house. Some of you are looking awkward. I'm not dogging you out if you did. It's okay. I just feel like a lot of people have. Um But you have to have a firm foundation. Jesus said it this way in Luke 6. I'll show you what someone is like who comes to me, hears my word, and acts on them. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. When the flood came, the river crashed against that house and couldn't shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears and does not act is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The river crashed against it and immediately collapsed and the destruction of that house was great. This is an analogy that Paul picks up as Paul begins to talk about how we build our spiritual house You see, way too many people have trusted in Jesus, become his followers, and are not being guided by anyone into what they need to learn or what they need to know as a believer, how they need to grow. They just started studying the Bible alongside Christians who've been in the faith for 20 years. And that can be okay. It can, it can, God's grace is big enough and he can work it out. But what if those new believers or those new people to our church intentionally took the time to learn particular things that were really foundational to their faith. And they learned them in particular ways that would help them build their house well. That sounds good, right? That's what we try to do here. We believe that every believer really needs two things. Every believer needs two things. And if you get these right at the beginning on a foundation, man, you're going to be able to grow tremendously. The two things are this, we believe, first off, you need an understanding of the storyline of the whole Bible. Because see, if you, you can't in your head kind of map out certain high points in the Bible, then to study the Bible on your own for the rest of your life is going to be difficult. You're going to be prone to misinterpreting things. You're going to be prone to not understanding the beautiful storyline. As Patrick prayed earlier, 66 books all telling one beautiful story. So we believe that. But then we also believe you need an understanding of what it means to follow Jesus. What are the basic things that Christians do? (laughs) What are the actions that we take? And also what's happened in our heart? What are these basics? And so... We've created a, a one-year process. We call it Foundation. It's a series of three courses, Old Testament overview, New Testament overview, and Discipleship overview that are offered in a small group format on Wednesday nights. And we don't believe, again, so after you do that, like, we don't believe, ah, whew, you're safe now, right? You've reached it. You cannot be touched by the evil one ever again. You will not be led astray. Again, it's not a plateau that... That we're asked that we're wanting you to reach. It's simply a plan that you can follow that will help you grow and learn. Because once you have all of those courses behind you, then we encourage you to join what we call life groups. And not because it's a cool term, but because of what it actually means. Our life groups are all the other small groups that we offer. They're a little less focused on content and more focused on building relationships and community. This growth Growth here looks a little bit more organic, okay? And here's what I mean by that you're with a group of people, and you're either studying a topic from the Bible or you're studying a book of the Bible, and you're all in different walks of life, right? We've got people that are grandparents in the room, we've got people that are brand new parents, we've got people that are singles, we've got people all over the spectrum, people that are. Uh, that are struggling financially. Others that have more than enough. Like, everyone, like every demographic you can imagine put into a group, boom, it's there. And so all they're doing, all we're doing in those groups is helping one another understand Scripture and trying to apply it to all of our lives at different times through questions and accountability. Our life groups really are about helping one another see how God's Word intersects life. That's why they're called life groups. At every turn. Because I don't know if you guys are like me, but like the longer I live, uh, the more of the things my parents told me are true are true. Like I can remember my dad, like in high school, um, I can remember him telling me, hey, dude, college is tough. My mom didn't go to college. My dad did. My dad told me, he said, college is tough, Heath. Get ready. I was like, dad, yeah, okay, thanks. Rolled my eyes, right? I can handle college. College kicked my butt. Spiritually, physically, all of it. And then I got a, I wanted to get a job. And I knew everybody told me, man, it's like having a job, like it's a different world. Like you're in the world now, you gotta you gotta work, you gotta work hard, you gotta be around a lot of people that don't know Jesus either. It's gonna be tough. Okay, thanks. Working kicked my butt spiritually, physically, emotionally. Then I've met this beautiful woman. Her name was Susie. I'm just kidding. Um, Kelly. <laughs> she wasn't looking at me, so I had to get her attention. Uh, but I met Kelly. And I knew, like I would heard from other people, man, it's so hard. It's so hard, like being a husband and being there for her. And like, and, like I'd heard all that. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like I see a lot of yahoos doing it. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I see a lot of people that seem to be figuring it out. I think I'll be okay, but being a, being a husband kicked my butt. Emotionally, spiritually, physically. And then I, we decided to have, like, we had kids. And then, like, man, I was a much better parent before I had kids. I knew what all of you were doing wrong. Kelly and I were working on a book, you know what I mean? Like, from the two, you know, like, yeah, that. anyway, we weren't working on a book, but we joked about it. And then I had kids, and I realized, good night, there's a new battle every day. And that's not just in parenting, but it's in all of that. Like there's a new battle that we face every day and we have to come back to the scriptures, right? Because we don't have all the answers I need today for tomorrow. I have to keep coming back to the scriptures, finding the answers. This is what life groups do. They provide an environment that no matter what phase of life you're in, you come back to the group and you go, "I need. can somebody help me with this? (laughs) We're facing this at work. I'm facing this in my home, in, in my life. And it's an opportunity for us to come around the word of God together and to help one another grow. This is why life groups are so important not designed for you to sit and get stable we choose group topics and we put leaders that want to push you and encourage you to continue to grow most people are probably at Lindsay Lane East are going to spend the rest of their lives in that part of the pathway because there's so much to learn about what it looks like to follow Jesus every day of our lives and with each new season comes new complications but well, we do have a third level of our discipleship pathway and it's leadership because honestly, we believe here at East that all of us at some level are called to lead in our homes, in our workplaces, our neighborhoods, and here at the church. And we want to provide as high-level training as we can for people who desire to grow in that regard. And we have a few different parts of that pathway, and we'll have dates and stuff in the, in the, in the days to come for you. But one of those is just through leadership training, where we offer kind of an all-call, come, let's talk about leadership, let's talk about specific things. And, and we walk through that. We do some breakouts To help you grow in leadership here at the church and in your workplace, we also have we call last year we started this called leadership one days where it's a workshop type environment where it's like a particular topic in the Bible or a particular topic in life that we're studying together. We bring in like somebody to kind of help guide and lead that discussion. Um, Again, we'll have that the the schedule for those coming up soon. But arguably the biggest piece of this leadership pathway is simply by serving, just by serving here at the church. our church volunteer structure is such that we have group leaders, and alongside them we have team leaders who actually lead our ministry teams here. And then, kind of, uh, uh, kind of leading those leaders are what we call our ministry coordinators, who are all volunteers uh, who have kind of been given an extra role of responsibility to oversee these different ministries. And then, overseeing our coordinators are our directors and pastors, our staff, our church staff here. And that's kind of how we function. And so, if man, if if you're if you're new to Easter, you've been here a while. Man, I would love to be serving. I I feel like God's leading me to leadership here. Then, man, serve your butt off. I think I can say, but serve your butt off. Come here, lead. Do do everything you can, and ask God to to grow your leadership here at church, and in other aspects of your life, and watch as He does it. We're also working on. Right now, I'm, I'm kind of running some tests on this on Wednesday nights right now with a really small group uh, developing a new leadership curriculum that's going to be a theological curriculum to help you go deeper into God's Word and understand some really complex truths and the arguments that lie behind them, and also some really practical leadership uh, principles that we're going to be doing. And We're kind of writing that curriculum as we go right now, um, So, but just like foundation, I, we taught it and we wrote it as we went, and, but now we're able to multiply that curriculum and the leadership training will be that way. Um, it'll take us about a year to write that curriculum, but then it's going to be a beautiful thing for us to replicate. I can't wait uh, more on that in the days to come. But what I hope you see that here at East, we want to help you first assess where you are. Are you, are you a new believer? Are you kind of new to the, to the church? Again, maybe you've been out of church for a while. You know, man, that, I don't have that foundation that you talked about. Let's dig down and let's get that foundation. Um, maybe you may have got that but man this is where I'm at in my life like every day is hitting me new then then you're in this what we call our life season or are you in a place where you need to grow in your leadership there's place there's there's opportunities for all of this but first we have to assess where we are and then we have to ask God to help us grow from there because the only safe place for the believer is continued growth remember roller coaster tycoon let's go back uh, to the text to wrap this thing up. Point number three, jot this down. There is grace in our knowledge of God. This is where Peter goes next. Peter certainly makes it clear that if believers are to be on guard against the attacks on their faith, they need to grow in their knowledge of God. But he also tells them they need to grow in their grace, grow in the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It says in verse 18, all of the things that I have learned about the Bible and about God and about what it what it means to follow Jesus has taken me twenty eight years of learning, twenty eight years of studying. That's how long I've been following Jesus. Twenty eight years. You know what I didn't do? Wake up one day and went. You know what? I understand this. That really deep theological thing that everybody's studying. I got it. I know it. Like it, that's miraculous. Uh, uh, light switches being flipped off in your head because you got a good night's sleep or because you ate green apples the night before. I don't. None of that works. That's not what this is. We, if you want to, gr- if you want to learn, you want to grow. We read. We learn from others. We study. This is the means by which we grow. However, we can't ignore the fact that Peter and Paul seem to drive in their letters that there's an overlap in knowledge of God. And grace of God. Paul helps us see in 1 Corinthians that growth itself is actually a grace or a gift from God. Paul says to the church at Corinth, they were dealing with some, some people that, uh, that really liked certain leaders um, that had come through, and so they were arguing all the time about who was the best teacher. And so Paul writes to them and says, this, who, What then is Apollos? What is Paul? They're servants through whom you believed. And each has the role the Lord has given. Listen, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but only God who gives the growth. Do You see this. Paul is helping his readers understand a fundamental truth that we would be good to learn today. Did the people in Corinth listen to a bunch of Paul's teaching? Yeah, go read about it. There's one that lasted till midnight, all right? Did they listen to Paul, uh, Apollos? Did Apollos come in and work with them, training them, teaching them? Yes. Did the believers themselves study the Bible on their own and the teachings of Jesus? And did they, do it so, did they do so in groups? I'm sure they did. Yes. And so at the end of the day, who gets the credit for the growth? Paul? Apollos? Each individual believer? The church? No. Paul says, it's God. You see, we participate with God in our growth, but the only reason the Bible clicks in my mind, the only reason I'm able to be obedient in what I read, the only way I can take one tiny step forward in my walk with God is because He makes it happen. He gives the growth. It's all Him. You see, Peter is ending with this beautiful truth about grace and knowledge, but it's actually where he started. If you go back to the very beginning of 2 Peter he begins the letter this way. May grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God. He's saying that grace and peace come from the knowledge of God. It's all connected. There's grace and peace available to us through knowledge of God, church. And so what I'm what I'm again, I want to ask the people of Lindsey Lane East, those who call this place home. That we would be known as students of God's word and that we would be praying daily Teach me to know you, God. As we open the Bible and read. Now, I know some of these DNA messages probably come across like a commercial for the programs and structure of the church, but that's not my point. Now, the reason why we're revisiting these things in January is to pull back the curtain. So many of you have come to our church this year; you're brand new. And we're just trying to pull back the curtain a little bit to show you all the little moving parts, all the cogs and all the wheels and all that so you can know why we do what we do. But it's also a reminder to those of you who have been here a long time that we have processes in place to help you grow. That we're not just showing up week in and week out, doing church, doing church, doing church, doing church. There's a movement that we're trying to see God do here. Because none of us are complete no matter how long we've been walking with Jesus. So today I can't think of a more worthy effort to do on a January Sunday morning than to assess our spiritual maturity. Where am I with Jesus and how do I need to begin growing in this next season of my life? 2023 is still pretty new. So let's pray about this and ask God to help us Lay out a plan for our own spiritual growth. And 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 we would love for the, the processes of Lindsay East to be part of that. So we're going to sing one more song and give each of us a moment to assess this, to assess our spiritual maturity and to figure out where we are and, and to, to to kind of process what we just talked about from God's word. So take time during the song. I know some of you, like, because the songs play and your natural res- response is just to stand up and sing Um but like, don't just do that because that's what you always do at the end of like the response time. Like, Sit down if you need to. Pray right where you are. Come to this altar and lift up prayers to the Lord. Go back and talk to me. I'm going to be back at the back, uh, back over here on the right side of the sound booth, your left. Come talk to me if you have questions about where you are spiritually or need someone to help you take some next steps. Ask God to help you see your weaknesses and the path forward in your life. But as we've talked about um, that, uh, that that knowledge of God is a grace that he gives to us, um, that begins at salvation. And so for some of you, I know, some of you may not yet be following Jesus. You've not yet trusted in him to save you. We would love to talk with you about that because God has placed you on a path. God is, is placing you now on a path as you're hearing about what Christ accomplished for you on the cross, that he died on the cross for your sins, to reconcile you with God. We would love to talk with you how you can begin at this foundational level and begin to grow by trusting in Him today. I'm going to be at the back. If you need me for anything to come to the altar, pray right where you are, or stand and sing, please do those things. I'm going to pray and then we can respond. Father God.